Excellent. An ale for me. And for my officers. In fact, ales for everyone. Turn backwards. With Rick and Rick and Will and Zemma. Oh, yes. <clears throat> Hello, listeners, and welcome to Ten Backward. It's Will here from the future, a future point where I'm editing this podcast. And as I said in the previous two podcasts when we recorded this, our initial idea was to talk about the first three episodes of Picard season three, because those are the ones that we'd seen at that point. Um, and that time really ran away with us. I mean, we we talked for ages, so. It was much more sensible in retrospect to just split that into individual episodes. So you see, it makes perfect sense when I explain it like that, doesn't it? I don't know why we didn't think of it at the time. But anyway, this is what you're about to hear is our discussion of the third episode of Picard season three uh, and a, uh, a brilliant episode it was too. So... Get ready for that discussion. It's about to happen now. Although, well, I think what's immediately going to happen is I'll I'll lift in like the bit at the very beginning where we all introduce ourselves, and then I'll kind of go into that. It's like it's it's a little bit of an editing trick. Um, you'll you'll see. It's it's about to happen. Okay, thanks. Hello, welcome to another episode of Ten Backward, the Star Trek discussion podcast from the UK. I am one of your hosts, Rick Everson, and I'm joined as always by my co-hosts. Rick Palmer. Hi there. Gemma Turland. Hello. And Will Turland. Hello. And I, I have an extra face on my screen today. So over over the magic of the internet, we're joined by Rob Chapman. Hello. Hi, Rob. How are you, how are you doing? I'm good, thank you. Thank you so much for having me on. It's uh, oh. It's been a while. I'm glad to be here. Shall we move on to um, episode three, which yes. which is a the most recent one that we've watched, so we're very excited yes. about it. But also, I think like it, to, to me, it was the best episode oh, so far. Yeah. Um, so it kind of you know kind of plays out. There's a basically a sort of a cat and mouse game between mm. the, the strike and the and the titan, a la um, uh, the you know the last the the final parts of uh, Wrath of Khan, you yeah. know, kind of hunt through the nebula for each other with sensors down and them relying on visuals, um, mm. and that stuff was all great. Oh, always love when they do that sort of thing. I mean, okay, May, maybe the two starships in a nebula trope has been done to death, but um, I I don't care. It's always very <laughs> exciting. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's yeah. like well, if a trope works, yeah. yeah. Yeah, I mean, um, you can do something to death, but if you still, if you continue to do it well, it doesn't matter. Yeah, mm-hmm. and if Ultimately. you can put a, a new spin on it and it feels mm. different, then I, I don't have a problem with it. And I think, that and, it, and it's relying on the, it's relying on the cunning of the characters rather than the yeah. power of their equipment. Like yeah, it's, it, it's that, like you were saying, well, it's a game of cat and mouse. It's like a, a, a match of a match of will and minds, and mm. you know, it's a yeah. game. Like it's a, and you want you want to see how that game turns out. Yeah, yeah. And I think I they them. put enough new spins in this because they obviously have they introduced the Shrike's portal weapon, mm. which essentially makes the Titans' attempts to escape the nebula impossible. Yeah, uh, oh, yeah. I, I thought that weapon was cool. I yeah, mean, it's, it's a little bit silly. <laughs> um, <It's- clears throat> 
It doesn't feel very Star Trek-y, I guess. Like if that attack, yeah. the attack on the recruitment center in episode one. Mm. It just feels. It feels like another. It feels like the next level of of power in mm. the galaxy. Like it feels like it's. It's just too. It's too powerful. Maybe. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It is. It's. It's a massive threat. But I think that then puts quite a lot of uh, jeopardy into into this particular series. Yeah, I mean, I don't dislike it. I was just mm. thinking, how. Oh, come on, Daystrom Institute. Be more <laughs> secure your mega weapons more, more securely. Yeah. <laughs> not making mega weapons. Yeah. Well, especially Who when you think do that, this? That, yeah. that they say later on that this weapon is just a distraction to get the yeah. other weapon that they, which is potentially worse. So why blame the Romulans? Because it was never about the portal weapon. They just wanted to keep Starfleet spreading. It was misdirection from the very beginning. To distract us from... Something else being stolen from Daystrom. Something more dangerous. Yeah, uh, I bet it's all the... Aren't aren't all the kind of mad mad computers stored at the Daystrom Institute? Yes, we see in Lower Decks. A big box of mad computers. I think I think they're probably selling. Yeah, they're selling like a box of of mad AIs. Um... But yeah, I do, I'm hoping maybe there's like a limitation to the portal weapon. Like when when they when they deployed it, it did seem like you couldn't have a portal too far away. Mm. Like the yeah. the opening at the entrance and the opening couldn't be too far away from mm. each other. So it seemed like a short range. Yeah, even thing, the, right? with the recruitment center, the, the the portal it sank in. The one it came out of later was was not far off, was it? No. So, yeah. yeah, that's it. Um, so I'm I'm hoping that it's because otherwise I suppose that that weapon is just too powerful. Or yeah. You could use it. It's a new form of transportation, yeah. effectively. If if you can use it long range, yeah. Well, even but short range, you can transport <laughs> massive amounts across a reasonable distance of a few miles, can't you? So yeah, yeah. So, I can see the uses, but yeah, also obviously the classic: a really useful device has been perverted into a terrible weapon, mm-hmm. like yeah. the Genesis torpedo. Yes, yeah. So, yeah. But I did, I thought it was something new that we've not seen before. I, d- I did think it was pretty cool. Yeah. yeah. Oh, it looked amazing when the Titan sort of went through it and then came out pointing in the wrong direction. It's like, oh. You're like, huh? <laughs> <laughs> Do it again. Oh, no, it did it again. Yeah. I like that they did it twice. They were like, this is so cool, we're going to do it again. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, although I did think when when the Shrike started to deploy the weapon, they didn't know what it was going to do. And at no point did, did Riker shout for evasive manoeuvres. No, I think would have no. Just keep going. That, yeah, that did annoy me slightly. It's like, well, I mean, could could they have got around it, or could they have just stopped? But maybe I they mean, couldn't. Maybe it, maybe they had too much momentum, and there's yeah. no way they could have. Because it was it was really but, close, wasn't it? Maybe it's like a whirl, maybe it's like a whirlpool. Maybe it, maybe it draws you in like a whirlpool or something. Yeah, yeah. Maybe it's got some gravity to it. Yeah. So um, the the key thrust of this episode is that early on Shaw is incapacitated, mm. and so he. As he's being taken off the bridge, he says to Riker, you got us into this mess, you can get us out, and transfers Titan command codes to Riker. Yeah. And then Riker and Picard essentially have a difference of opinion about how to go. Riker is very much on the hide, hide, get, sneak out safely approach. 
uh, yeah. feeling that they are massively outgunned by the strike, uh, and it's just too big a risk to have have an open confrontation. Whereas Picard is like, turn around and shoot, shoot them. them, shoot them, shoot them, shoot them. The line must be drawn here. <laughs> yeah. Picard's channeling is in a wharf, so <laughs> yeah. Well, we cannot run any longer. We must engage and protect the ship. I am protecting this ship by avoiding its destruction. I understand this instinct to be fearful of loss. Fearful of loss? You are out of line. We Jack Crusher works out that there being something's, hap- something's mm-hmm. on, happening on the ship that means mm. that the Shrike can track mm. them without sensors. All you need is a mass spectrometer. <laughs> what a great, what a, what a great All line. All you need is a mass spectrometer. <laughs> yeah. Oh. Um, and that's another, that feels like another classic sort of sci-fi thing where mm. where someone's being pursued. Mm. Maybe not, not even sci-fi, really, but anything. If someone's mm. being pursued and you don't know how they keep following you, there's a, there's a brilliant episode of Battlestar Galactica early on, which I think is called 33 Minutes. So similarly, it's got like yeah, a time oh, yeah. yeah, and the like the the humans are trying to evade the Cylons, and the Cylons keep finding them. Mm-hmm. They jump every thirty three minutes, I think. Yeah, keep getting found. So it's a, again, it's another brilliant mm-hmm. sci fi trope that makes everything very exciting because you've only got a certain amount of time before you get found or whatever. Yeah, so yeah. I, I did. I did like that. So um, um, yeah, the, the, the this episode's called Seventeen Seconds with the time frame thing, and the thrust of that is we have a flashback to when Riker's first child is born, and him and mm-hmm. Picard and Guinan's toasting it, um, and he talks about how there was an issue in sick bay, and his seventeen second turbo lift ride was the longest amount of time, and of course that then plays into Picard later goes down to sick bay when Jack is injured, mm-hmm. and he has that same. Right. And it's it's kind of a nice. It's I like the, the the thrust of that because it has a flashback to this moment where Riker and Picard are very close in their friendship, and yeah. it relates to something that Picard then goes through. But by the end of the episode, the Riker and Picard are very much on the outs because mm. they have a the, the difference of opinion in this episode becomes quite great. Um, so it's kind of a nice juxtaposition on on that one. What did you guys think yeah. of the de aging? it was one of those where yeah i mean they they smoothed the faces but they (laughs) the the, it was the mannerisms in the hands and everything kind of they always tell the story tell someone's age yeah and the like the way the way that picard was sat he was sat like an old man not a slightly younger man (laughs) um yeah I wasn't super impressed by the de-aging, but I, I just, I found, I, I was like, I've got to get over it because yeah. it, like, <laughs> the scene was really good. Yeah, I like the content of the scene. Um, but yeah, the the de-aging was a bit distracting. It was, it was, it was unpleasant. Yeah. But it, it, how else could they have done it? Really, I'd yeah. have been, I'd have been, to be honest, I'd have been content if they just taken the grey out of Riker's hair and left it at that. Because, <laughs> um, you know, when, when you when you go back to um, the Kenobi series, they have a flashback to Attack of the Clones era to show mm-hmm. Anakin and Obi-Wan Evan, and they essentially don't bother with CGI de-aging on that. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah. I, I don't... I, I think I think the problem is, if, if the, de-age, the CGI de-aging doesn't work very well, 
it's at least as distracting as seeing two old people try and be 20 years younger without, with no, <laughs> with yeah. no actual makeup or CGI effect to, to do that yeah. with. So, yeah, it's kind of swings and roundabouts. I think it's never going to be a brilliant – one day it might be, but at the minute I'm just going to sort of uh, – just going to try and move past it. Yeah. It, it reminds me of the – so the, the very last episode of – uh, Babylon 5 takes place like there's a time jump yeah. and they're 20 years in the future well it's not a time jump it's like <laughs> some time has passed it's 20 years in the future and they just don't they did not have the money or the time to do any aging so they just wait, make them wear like they just wear clothes that, that clothes. slightly older people would I think they do I think they put some town compiler in Sinclair's hair and they, they just have to act a bit older <laughs> and and you know what it's fine <laughs> like it works <laughs> fine. it's like it's a bit silly but it's less silly than if they'd have tried to kind of age them and it looked awful mm. and I, I kind of think yeah, coming back to that scene, and I maybe they could have just done something with the lighting where you didn't see their faces quite as clearly. Yeah, yeah, right. I think that would have worked better. But I don't I mean, know. Yeah, it was a dark bar to begin with, I suppose. But yeah, but I but I absolutely agree with your point before that, Rick. That that that's that's really central to that episode. Mm. That 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 flashback where we set up what the you know the seventeen seconds mean, and then I love that we get that payoff for, for Picard experiences that same thing later on. It took 17 seconds to get down there. The longest turbo lift ride of my life. I thought I was losing him. My unborn son. I like that the episode has the confidence not to, they don't have to spell it out. There isn't a point where Picard's in the turbo lift. It's like, oh. <laughs> Hang on a minute. Looking oh, at the space watch. Like, this is just like that thing that Riker said he went through, <laughs> isn't it? <laughs> they trusted the audience to get, it's like, okay, I see what they're doing. Mm-hmm. So I like and it, it. And it is, um, this episode does have a, there's a nice sort of uh, juxtaposition about how, Riker, Riker has lost a son, and Picard's mm. gained one. Mm-hmm. Um, it's I, I, I thought I, well, after I rewatched it, I thought I thought that I didn't really, the first time around that completely passed me passed me by. But watching but, it again, I, yeah, I, I did sort of notice that in t- in terms of like the the t- sort of the denouement of that episode where they fall out. Yeah. Mm. Also, in that flashback. Um, Troy communicates with Riker, and that is Marina Sirtis, so it's definitely got nowhere near the old Troy accent, and it's just full on her own cockney one. Yeah. Well, I haven't brushed my hair in 72 hours, and your son just vomited all over engineering. Projectile vomit, four feet in the air. They should study him for science. Yeah, that was just like, oh. What are you doing, Riker? <laughs> yeah, he's thrown up in the engine room, he has. <laughs> it's just like, oh. Get back to the Titan, you slag. That's an offensive Cockney stereotype, <laughs> isn't it? <laughs> you yeah, stop stereotyping offensive Cockneys. <laughs> so, sorry. <laughs> you, you slag. <laughs> <laughs> um, 
I, but I would say in all this, you know, this is a really exciting episode and there's a, there's, there's a lot of action in this episode. It's really mm. dramatic. But I think the most, the most dramatic and exciting scene is when we get very early on and it's just a quiet uh, t- uh, one-on-one dialogue scene with Picard and Crusher. Mm. Oh, yes. We get, yeah. you know, I get, I like, how long have we waited for a, for a, a proper scene with Picard and Crusher again? Like 20 years, mm. 25 years, maybe? Like, they didn't even get anything like that in the movies, yeah. did they? No. Yeah, maybe, yeah, since the end of, since TNG, definitely. I think probably, yeah, yeah all, all good things when they discuss the potential of the future and everything like that. That's maybe the last really good scene we've had between those two. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So yeah. this was, and it was incredible because, yeah, it's it's a it's a you can kind of see both sides of that. Picard is mm-hmm. understandably yeah. very upset that for twenty years he's had a son and she never told him. But mm-hmm. likewise, I kind of get where she's coming from. Mm. The son of Jean Luc Picard, yeah. after all the years, is it, it, going to be some. It's going to have a target automatically on them. So yeah, and I think what worked about that scene for me is that I, it didn't matter whether I you know, whether I sided with one of the characters or not, it's like, I believed that they would react like that. Mm -hmm. That scene convinced me that yes, Picard would, would feel that way. Mm -hmm. And yes, Beverly would have taken those actions. I, yeah, I believe, I don't feel like there was any kind of stretch of those characters at that point. Um, So I really liked that. I thought they, yeah, they, they nailed that and Mm. great performances as well. Yeah. Mm. Beverly could have just gone. Um, so, have you bef- in the time since I last saw you, have you befriended any young people? How is that going? <laughs> like, well, well, there was well, there was a young Romulan called Elnor, but um, I don't want to talk about him. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Beverly. He was like a son, he was like a son to me, and oh, how did that, how oh, did he that died. <laughs> He got better. Yeah. He did die though. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Picard abandoned him at every opportunity. <laughs> he wouldn't have Jack wouldn't have been like Elnor. <laughs> that is funny. I hadn't thought of that. But yeah, the the, the everything that Elnor goes through absolutely justifies Beverly's decision. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Moving from the it doesn't matter about sides, I'm totally on both sides now. <laughs> <laughs> completely well, wrong point. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's not even got in this series, and I really like Elmore. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. But it was it was great because it's been, obviously we wanted to see these two do a scene together, and it was a very intense scene mm. as well. So that was good to yeah. see. John Luke, when the galaxy comes calling for you, you are not put upon by it. You love it. Don't tell me you would have walked away. Beverly, you made the choice for me. You don't get to condemn people before the fact. Yeah, I I quite easily see both sides. Um, I can see why Picard would be mildly pissed off that he hadn't been told about his, you know, 30-something-year-old son, but... Yeah, everything you've just said about Elnor completely justifies why <laughs> I hadn't thought of that either. <laughs> but, um, yeah, yeah, and I think they say, like, you know, he's 
it'd be a massive target, you know. And Picard's always, always so, you know, puts his life on hold for for Starfleet, and yeah. And yeah. he did, like he he lo- like I think Beverly calls him out at one point. You know, he's like he loves that as well. Mm. It's like he he wants to do that, and that's that's the problem. Yeah. And also, he spends a lot of TNG saying how much he hates children. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Yeah. That yeah. Might have I been. mean, yeah. Literally from the pilot, it, that's what he says. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh. Yeah. It's a great, great way to sell you on that character. Early on, have a scene of him <laughs> saying how much he hates children. <laughs> this will win over the audience. <laughs> <laughs> well, to be fair, at that point, Star Trek nerds are unlikely to be having any girlfriends, let alone children. So. <laughs> Um, Very true. Yeah, but no, you, the, I think for the Elnor point, Rick, you win the Captain Shaw Inconvenient Truth Award. <laughs> <laughs> ah, accepted, accepted with honour. <laughs> I, I, I think actually we should have a regular feature now. Every episode, we should have a, a little regular feature called "What Would Captain Shaw Do." <laughs> where, where whatever we're discussing, we can say Shaw would have done a sensible yeah. thing in a dickish way. So the other really awesome one-on-one conversation was Rafi and Worf. Mm. I think. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I think I particularly loved Worf introducing himself. Yeah. Oh, that yes. Was, oh, that was badass. I am Worf. Son of Moog, House of Martok, son of Sergei, House of Roshenko, bane to the Duras family, slayer of Gowron. I have made some chamomile tea. Do you take sugar? Do <laughs> um, you take sugar in chamomile tea? I knew you were going to say that. Annoyed you at the time. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, hun- I put I put honey in in it. But, uh, okay. Ah, okay. Okay. Which is quite, which is quite nice. But, yeah. I, 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 um, well, I stand corrected. <laughs> well, no, no. I mean, I, I, I think it's different, though, isn't it? Like honey is a bit because I, I wouldn't put granulated sugar in chamomile tea, mm-hmm. but I guess I would put honey in it because it feels like a bit more of a mm. feels more complementary to chamomile tea. Yes. Yes. I don't know how <laughs> Worf would feel about that. <laughs> Because he clearly thinks sugar is a completely valid option. He does. Well, maybe she only had sugar because maybe he didn't manage, didn't remember to bring any honey with his little glass teapot that he appears <laughs> to carry fair. around with him. Yeah, um, a warrior's a warrior's teapot. Because <laughs> <laughs> I don't see Ray having a little glass teapot. No. no, no. I think Worf does. That, that is part of Worf's general day-to-day travel equipment that he has. It could be. It could be transparent aluminium. Oh, that's true. Yeah, that's it could true. be. Yeah. yeah. Do you know he should have offered her a prune juice? <laughs> that's the old war. That's it's more true. chill now. Yeah. No longer dabbles in the prune juice. <laughs> but we we did actually get to. He, he, we did have a bit of a good time with Worf, and he got to talk about how he's from, he's been working on himself. Yeah, he got a lot of the funny. He got a lot of the funny lines in this episode. Although it's, it, although it's played yeah. for laughs, I think also there is a there is a true point. He is a different sort of a Worf. Although he's extremely yeah. familiar, he's carrying himself a lot more calmly and self assured mm-hmm. than he maybe ever did before. I wonder how I wonder how Worf's doing with his son. 
<laughs> terrible fathers. Oh, oh, him and Picard should really get together, shouldn't they? And share. Uh, they could do a little parenting podcast. <laughs> How not two, to? The two most successful fathers in the galaxy. <laughs> <laughs> oh god yeah but like we were, like we were saying earlier michael dawn walked has just returned to that character pretty seamlessly yeah um, it's very very impressive yeah. really really like it's just like the character's never been away that's great yeah. <laughs> yeah and i mean i would i would you know i was gonna say one question is what do we think of a more a more sort of pacifistic uh uh, Wolf, but the problem is he's introduced the, in the introductory scene. He beheads someone, so I would say like he's not quite as much of a pacifist as he says. He is. <laughs> <laughs> Klingon. Yeah, 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 by Klingon yeah. standards, yeah, yeah. Um, and maybe so, it was a Wednesday, so may, it was yeah, yeah. beheading day. Good point. <laughs> yeah, yeah. the, the Wolf try humor has definitely got got even better. I think. <laughs> yeah. Um. So, because then we both Worf and Raffi, and obviously Jack Crusher discover um, a new mm. twist. To, to oh, the God. Yes. that was another gasp moment. Yes. Um, no, so, I well, how, long, how long? How long is it since you returned to the the great? Oh, the Great Link. Yeah, that was like a wait a minute. What? No, Changeling. <laughs> Tell me, how long have you been away from the Great Link? Um, yeah, that was an incredible moment. Both, both, both times when uh, you realised then obviously the guy that assaulted Jack and had sabotaged the ship was a changeling as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So there's a changeling, on, and uh, you know we remember from the DS9 days how much fun it is when you've got a changeling saboteur loose on a ship. <laughs> yes, <laughs> and I, I, I kind of hope that's where episode four goes. I hope we have a, um, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. But yeah, I mean, I think that was the point in the episode. Like, I thought the episode was really good, mm. but then once we got the changing revealed, I, re- I was just like, I, I don't know, what, I don't know what to do. <laughs> this is the best thing I've ever seen. Own <laughs> <laughs> a world of trouble. Yeah. So obviously, when um, when Worf and Raffi and their their prisoner is revealed to be a changeling, uh, and he tries to shapeshift off, and Worf blows him away. Mm. Um, and then Wolf talks about how there is a breakaway group of changelings that mm. want to cause havoc in the Alpha Quadrant in revenge for the war. Um, and he even makes a, a reference to someone from the Great Link, which you know, was clearly Odo he was talking about. Yeah. Um, and I, I mean that that actually I got a little bit misty eyed on that one because um, this is our first on screen Odo reference since Rene Aubergine passed away. Mm. I was a bit like, oh. Oh, they've mentioned Odo. Yeah, um, and it's it's a nice it's a nice little uh, mention as well. Mm-hmm. It felt like there there was some there was some emotion to Worf's voice when he said that. I thought yeah. like there's something in the delivery that yeah uh, that made that line um, hold a bit more meaning than than you know than it did sort of in universe. I mm. thought that that was really nice. Yeah, I was contacted by a close friend within the link man of honor he informed me of this rogue group but if starfleet were to acknowledge their existence we would be reigniting the dominion war um and then yeah back on the titan after the sabotage 
Um, Picard finally persuades Riker to do the turn and fight. Um, Riker fires everything, and the portal weapon opens up, takes all the torpedoes, and redirects them straight back to the Titan. Yeah. Ah, awkward. <laughs> awkward. Yeah, again, evasive manoeuvres were not mentioned. No. Just a little bit. I mean, then, by that point, they should have, I'm surprised no one considered that it was a, as a potential defence tactic as well. So, um, And then, yeah, the Titans left crippled and drifting into the nebula, and Riker oh. turns on Picard and says, remove yourself from the bridge. You've just killed us all. Remove yourself from the bridge. You've just killed us all. It's like, whoa. Which, as uh, Yes, a very dramatic moment, but as Will pointed out, he was in command, and he could have just stopped listening to Picard constantly bugging him. <coughs> wow. Yeah. So, but yes, he is used to taking orders from him. Mm. Yeah, and I think also Picard played on that. You know, he tried to sort of say about your fear of loss because of your son, and that was underhanded. Yeah, that was uncalled for. It was. Yeah. Brutal and cruel. And also, fuck Picard for questioning um, Riker's orders on the bridge of his ship. Yes. Mm. Riker never would have done that. No. Well, yeah. mm, Yeah. It's another another step in the destruction of the Picard character. Well, consistent. it's consistent. Oh no, it's a good. I'm saying this as a as a mm. as a, a, a positive in the series that they're just um, I don't know showing this side yeah. of him. There's a bit in All Good Things for the end of Next Gen where in the future. Old Picard is is, is is convinced Captain Beverly Picard to give him a lift on her ship, and he starts like questioning her orders in the bridge, and she pulls him to the side and tells him to st- cut it the fuck out. Yeah, so like, you would yeah. never have stood for that on the Enterprise, and I'm not going to stand for it on my ship. But that's absolutely what he does to Riker. Yes. So. Yeah. <laughs> but I did. I mean, I was having this uh, I was having this debate with my other Star Trek friends. Uh, <laughs> so I've already talked about it with them actually, oh. but. Um, but they were also torn. But so one of one of my friends thought, you know, that was a great scene, and Riker was absolutely right to order Picard off the bridge. Mm. But my other friend didn't think thought that was a bit out of character. And I, I I'm a little bit torn because I do think, I do think like right Riker was Riker was in Riker gave that order. Picard mm. didn't. It wasn't Picard that gave the order. Riker did listen to Picard and give the order. And I just think if you've given the order, you kind of have to own that. But yeah. he kind of just blames Picard and orders him off the bridge. But and does I think, he also blame himself that he can't, you know? Oh, he absolutely will do. Yeah. Yeah, mm. he does. But you say it's out of character. This is, you. we haven't seen him as as a captain. So we've yeah. never actually seen Riker as Captain Riker, only as number one. And so he's, you know, you've never seen him in that position before. And um, and, and the and he these are characters clearly has a different mm. um, method and a different ethos yeah. in command than Picard ever did. And any any time we have seen Riker in command, he hasn't had Picard whittering in his ear. Yes. Mm. And yeah. also, we see from the first two episodes of the season that 
you know, Riker still basically worships Picard. Mm. You know, anytime someone says anything against Picard, Riker's straight there. Yeah. Even even back in season one, when Troy calls Picard out on his bullshit, he goes to admonish Troy because mm. he's he's just so in, it's so ingrained in him to be mm-hmm. deferential to Picard. Um, so I think um, it was very it was probably really difficult for him to deny Picard's suggestions mm-hmm. for so long. Picard would not let up. So yeah, he, he, yeah. he does have a, a measure of blame for going in for the thing, but you know also. Picard abused his position, I think. Absolutely. And Picard should have, should have accepted. It, this is Riker's command right now. You need to step mm-hmm. the, You've made your feelings clear and I step the fuck out. And he did not in any in any way uh, uh, see that Riker was in command. No. He, it was yeah. evident that he didn't feel that way. And maybe, maybe yeah. even as well, like, I mean, he maybe even betrayed a confidence like a personal yeah. a personal confidence mm. i mean the the line the line about loss i think is the was the it was the point at which picard went too far yes it's really that's really below the belt and in front of everybody as well yeah like mm-hmm. i you just can't do that no. but i thought it was yeah. i thought it was i it, i think it's an interest it's interesting to to sort of show how one one comment can can badly damage a relationship yeah. and with with Beverly as well as I mean it's the, the way they talk to each other it's like you know it doesn't take much to to make people who love each other fall out mm. maybe maybe yeah. even irreparably <laughs> sometimes it can it doesn't take much which you wouldn't which you might not think with people who love each other and are close friends but it you know that's the that's that can be the nature of those things. Friendship and yeah. relationships mm-hmm. take a lot of effort. And as, mm-hmm. I, sp- I suppose if you're that close to someone, you know exactly what to say. Yeah. Exactly, it's that, for it to yeah. be hurtful. And, that, yeah. and I guess that, that's exactly what Picard did, didn't mm-hmm. he? Yeah, yeah. he knew that about Riker. Mm. Yeah, but also the his his attitude that wanting to say keep the lives of your crew safe is something to be scornful of. Yeah. yeah. It absolutely plays into his character, in my opinion, that that is not a priority. Mm. The priority is getting one over on the enemy, fighting back, destroying them because they've challenged you, not just getting out alive. Yeah. Yeah. So... Yeah, I'm really interested to see where they're going to go in the next episode because yeah, I have I have my theories, and I don't know whether I I it's a bit it's a bit tenuous, and it's I'm not sure whether it I want it to be that, but you have signals coming from the center of the nebula that are both electric and biological. Mm-hmm. You had Jack having a vision when he was dying, speaking to someone was giving him information, telling him to come and find me, Deborah. No. Is it the wormhole aliens? Mm-hmm. Now but, I mean, whether that's just because they're changelings, because DS9 is being mentioned. Yeah. And I don't know, and it's that it's not a wormhole. Although it is a gravity well, so it could be. Yeah, um, I just I, I guess the wormhole aliens because they're like they they deal in kind of non-linear time, mm, don't they? So yeah. 
I, I don't I don't know if they would but then they have kind of communicated with visions before haven't they haven't hasn't Cisco had visions from the yes you know, yeah. wormhole aliens mm. so mm. it could be I don't I, mean, even, I don't even know that I would want it to be to be honest but, mm. but you're um, right there's, there's clearly something there with that the vision that Jack has yeah because yeah. ha- you had seven and then behind her were these weird like branching out Mm-hmm. Things I don't know what they were. Yeah, yeah like yeah. like it kind was... of blood, fat, yeah, like veins yeah. or something. Yeah, right? yeah. She, didn't she say follow the branches? Yeah, that's right. Yeah, but, yeah, yeah. F- find me and we'll be together. Yeah, I must admit I hadn't given too much thought to that bit really. Yeah. It's such yeah. a. I get there's so much snapshot. other stuff going yeah. on in the episode, but I feel I feel like that that probably is that is kind of teasing it or sort of setting up like what's to come mm. in the story I think. And I, I wonder how how far they're going to use what's happened in the, 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 the literary universe because it, they kind of, I think, if I've remembered right, not that I've read many of the DS line launch, uh, relaunch series, but I think in, those, in the books they kind of talk about how um, about Odo being in the Great Link and him trying mm. to you know, and there's factions within it, and I, you know, I think I think there's a Gem Hadar attack after, which is effectively after season seven. So I wonder if they're going to use any any of that um, with this this schism that they're talking about in the Great League. Yeah, it'd be mm. interesting to see. It would, yeah. yeah. Oh God, yeah. <clears throat> I hadn't even thought about that. If the Rogue Changelings have also got some Gem Hadar at their disposal, thanks. Mm. <laughs> that could be cool. Yeah, I mean, I was the whole the whole changeling thing completely took me by surprise and I, mm. I wasn't expecting expecting such a direct link to ds9 mm. at all i was very you know pleasantly surprised by it because yeah. so far so far ds9 you know we've had we've had janeway come back in in um the prodigy series and we've had um you know a continuation of tng to some extent in in picard but ds9 has kind of been just lower, lower, lower decks as well. Lower decks. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah DS9 did come back in lower yeah. decks. That's true. Quark's yeah. been name dropped a little bit in Picard as well. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But um, but yeah, I'm really pleased to see a, a yes some recognition of DS9. Yeah, and yeah. Some galaxy we'll, changing events that happens. I wonder if we'll see um, the Jam Hadar or the Porter, or whether we're, mm-hmm. yeah, whether we'll see more of them more. Yeah. And whether whether we could see a Vorta played by Jeffrey Coombs. <gasps> oh, <laughs> awesome. I, I was thinking Imagine. that, that yeah. would be amazing. Wouldn't it? We'd all love to see a bit of Jeffrey Coombs again, wouldn't yeah. we? So, uh, and if they have if they mentioned Brunt on screen, so <laughs> So um yes, I think it's safe to say that we've really enjoyed Picard so far. Yeah. yeah these three episodes. I mean, I, re- I, I thought that I really enjoyed episode one, but I hadn't realised what true enjoyment was until I got to episode three. <laughs> I just loved it. Yeah. That was um, fantastic. My, my only worry now is that, because I did, I, did, I did really enjoy the first couple of episodes of Picard season two, and then, then I felt it really started to lose steam. And I just, I'm really hoping that, that season three isn't going to follow... 
that template. It, mm. it doesn't feel like it is. It doesn't. No, it feels so like far. a completely different animal. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I mean, obviously, at some point, Raffi and Worf will intersect with Picard mm. and Riker. We know mm. that we're still going to get Geordie. Um, yes. Yeah. We we know other stuff, I and mean, at this point, I'm not even sure how that's all going to weave in. I mean, so, we've got Moriarty yeah. and maybe Law. Yeah. yeah. Well, so Moriarty, yeah. So yeah, is uh, and uh, just speculating. So the the we established that that portal weapon, the theft of that from the Daystrom Institute, was a distraction. For the real thing that was stolen, was the real thing that was stolen? Like, could Moriarty have been stored there, or or was Law stored there? Yeah, Law would definitely be considered a powerful. Well, when you think about it, Moriarty was created as the perfect adversary for Data. So, Mm. if Law was the weapon, is Moriarty the counter weapon that they're going to try and employ? Or vice versa. Well, yeah. Is, 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 is Moriarty the the kind of the, the brain behind this this whole thing? And are they, are they going to need to try and get law <laughs> to, to find that? Yikes! I don't know. But do, what what do we think is the connection between this the, the Vadic character and the changelings? Are they? Are we say? I'm assuming she's a changeling. Yeah, that's what I'd assume. Yeah. That's what I would because she does. Uh, once you learn, once you know that they're changelings, and you look at her, she mm. has the slick back hair. Oh, she has yes. a certain sort of a certain kind of vagueness around the forehead and the the way and the kind of the cheekbones and stuff does look mm. kind of like the old style changelings. I hadn't even thought that. I just assumed that she was yeah. working with them. That's that's what I'd assume. I mean, yeah, that's but, possible. But but oh, I know you're no... right, yet, Gemma. It's like, yeah, there's visual hints there. Yeah, there's no reason to think that she. There's nothing to suggest she isn't a changeling, and there's kind of everything to suggest that she is now. Mm. Isn't there? And then why would why would the changeling that's on board the Titan be sabotaging them to slow? You know, they they're kind of working together, aren't they? Mm. Yeah. yeah, yeah. There's also an element of. There was one point where they, when they were chasing them through the nebula, and uh, the Titan had decided to just lay low and and stay quiet and wait. And then the Shrike came in, and one of the crew said, um, "They're they're they're where they should be." So there's some kind of somehow they had predicted. Mm. Where they wanted them to be, yeah. where they would be at this time, so uh, some which I suppose would or, indicate either the ship been sabotaged by then, I guess, and then they just monitor the true the lead. Yeah, was was that was they were they saying it's where it should be because they were following that that sort of trail of. Crumbs, Could be, so. yeah. But they also <coughs> specifically wanted to get them into the heart of the nebula as well. They did seem to, yeah. Seems to be, yeah. So, I don't know. Have yeah. we seen, seen Vedic's ears yeah. yet? Sorry, Gemma. Have we seen Vedic's ears yet? Because she'd be a Vorter. Oh, that's the, that's the first oh, yeah. thing I, I looked at because I thought, is she is she Romulan? But, but it didn't mm. look like, they looked like human ears. So, oh, okay. I'm, I'm assuming yeah. not. 
But um, and you feel free to edit this bit out if I'm if you don't want it spoiled for people. But um, watching it on Amazon Prime, I had the subtitles on, and there's a scene where um, the the mast crew in Vadik's ship are um, are talking, and they're like garbled alien language, and the subtitles that d- d- did say like changeling language so mm, i'm yeah. assuming they're yeah because the and the, in the end credits the um like the you, you get to see some information on the on the shrike and the the language there is the same as the language on the bomb um, okay, the the sorry the alphabet they use is yeah. is yeah. the same it's the same language as the bomb so but I, I mean, I didn't. I figured it was just meant it was a changeling ship. But yeah, I mean, yeah. it's probably Vadik is just a, a changeling. Although, when you think about it, changelings themselves shouldn't have a language because <laughs> they would just link. Mm. Yeah. I can see them adopting a, lang- a dominion language. Yeah. Yeah, they would need specific one. Specific language seems a bit pointless. Yeah. But <laughs> like. I did. I do really like the 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 reveal of the changeling. Does ex. The changelings does explain. So we had that mystery around why Beverly Crusher was saying trust no one mm. because they seem to be says we would you know we were boarded by a Klingon ship and we were pursued by was it Romulans as well and then they went to Starfleet and and they weren't safe at Starfleet and it's the the fact that changelings are involved explains all of explains yeah. that mystery entirely. Mm. Oh, that was really clever and and satisfying. Mm. I, Maybe I was being stupid, but I hadn't, like, I hadn't really thought of an answer for that mystery. No, no, so, and that, no. That, that works perfectly. Yeah, yeah. Changelings, of course. We yeah. we know we know they can do that. We know that from DS Nine. So. Yeah. Oh, the, the the paranoia and distrust from B- that we saw in DS Nine for changelings. Of course, it makes so much sense then. Yeah. So. And on a on a complete tangent, that one other thing I, I must mention that I really liked about episode three is that we got to see Beverly Crusher uh, being a doctor again. Oh yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. She's some doctoring. Does this hurt? What about this? Now <gasps> he's bleeding internally. No, I ran the imaging scan. Imaging doesn't always pick up delayed bleeding from concussive injuries. We need to work on this, Jack. Get him on his side. Um. I was getting I really annoyed liked... at the, the, that, uh, that doctor on the Titan who kept telling me to stop. Yeah. It's, like, it's Beverly Crusher, shut up. <laughs> I, I really like <laughs> my machine. My machine doesn't say that he's dying, but he's dying. <laughs> yeah. It's like, look at him. <laughs> turn him on his side. Just turn him on his side. Just classic yeah. treatment. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Internal bleeding, turn him on his side. <laughs> Internal bleeding's fine. That's where the blood's supposed to be. Inside. <laughs> yeah. He had like a collapse. Yeah, like a collapsed lung or something, didn't he? Mm. It seemed like yeah. he had a collapsed lung. Or... Yeah. That that was yeah. a nice little. I, I really like that the that Doctor Crusher got to do some doctoring and yeah. like make a difference. And they 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 it's it's good writing that they managed to find time to tell a little kind of doctoring story in yeah. the middle of everything yeah. that was going on. And it was, yeah. There wasn't a lot to that, but no. it wasn't just that she got to be a doctor. There was some conflict, and she identified something that the 
other doctor wasn't able to find mm-hmm. and all that stuff was really good I yeah yeah that was good it was nice to see her doing that much as i enjoy yeah. seeing her like kick ass um in, in in doing battle but it's you know she is a doctor first so that's yeah. good yeah she's kicking ass as a doctor mm. yeah all right. Kicking internal illness, uh, uh, bleeding uh, ass. ass. <laughs> yeah. Which sounds like a fairly reckless thing to do as a doctor. <laughs> it does actually. It doesn't sound like a good treatment. It's not good doctoring. <laughs> You've got an internal bleeding in your ass. So, has anyone got any other thoughts on those three I wonder episodes? What, I wonder what. Um, if you, if anyone's got any predictions for what's going to happen moving forward, I'm going to think. I think I'm going to stick with my earlier prediction that the that the thing the thing with, that was stolen from the Daystrom Institute was. Mm. I think law. I think law. Yeah. All Moriarty. Technically, two predictions. Well, it's neither or. Yeah. What was Law wearing in the trailer? Can anyone remember? I, because I am sure. He was wearing a Star Trek uniform, but that doesn't necessarily mean anything. No. no. Could have been a flashback. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, the the changeling twist took me so by surprise that I just I don't yeah. feel like I don't <laughs> I don't think I can predict anything at this point. I don't yeah. know where this is yeah. gonna go, but I'm gonna I think I'm gonna be enjoying the ride, ultimately. Yeah, yeah. I, I don't really have any predictions other than I wouldn't be surprised if, if like a few like the main plot of this gets tied up, but there's still plenty left to do, mm. and like maybe Seven and Jack Crusher and um and LaForge, LaForge's daughter, LaForge. Um, maybe they, maybe this show. Well, Picard doesn't carry on, but we get another show set after Picard. Yeah. With those guys still doing yeah. stuff, still because I, it would be I, I can't see everything getting tied up in a neat bow in this series. Not with everything that's happened and the pace it's going. It's like yeah, so yeah, I wondered whether it'd be more like you know Picard going out in a blaze of glory, or whether it'd be more like you know the undiscovered country where they're like passing the torch type of thing. Yeah, mm. I think yeah. I think it would be a good opportunity to pass the torch on mm. to. To a new show, but set just just continuing a, maybe the some of this plot line set up here. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'd like to see more a continue continuation of the story in this era, you know, in this, yeah. this time in Star mm. Trek. It's 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 an interesting time, you know. Oh, yeah, are, um, things have been shaken up in the uh, Federation, yeah. and and it's I like that they are. They deal with a lot of um, uh, uh, life on the edge of the Federation as well. Yeah, yeah. Could have a Wharf and a Wharf and Raffi, you know, detective series, maybe. Yeah, great. Raffi Noir. Yeah, that would be excellent. And of course, if we continued in this era, there's the opportunity for more. You know, potential cameos from uh, DS9 or Voyager. Mm-hmm. So that's always exciting, isn't it? Yeah. But I think in conclusion, like we're all in agreement that season three so far has been great. 
incredibly yeah. strong start. Definitely. Hopefully yeah. it continues in this vein. Mm. Yeah. Please. Please. Yeah, please. Fingers crossed. Yeah. Come on. Come on, Picard. You can, you can do, do it. it. I got a good feeling about this. They 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 seem to be setting up something big, so Mm. Yeah, and they've they've already delivered basically. <laughs> yeah. yeah, we pretty much had a, a season's worth of awesomeness already in three episodes. So. Yeah, thank you very much for listening, uh, everyone. Um, if you have been listening, um, well, if you haven't, if you if, haven't, then this doesn't matter, really, does it? Exactly. If you're not listening, it's fine. You ain't here. <laughs> yeah. so don't worry about it. Um, but yeah, and we'll we'll be back in the future with more uh, talking about Star Trek. Cause that's, mm. It's a Star Trek podcast, and we, that's that's the thing that we do on it. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, thank you very much yeah. for joining us, Rob. Yes, oh, no, thanks, thanks, Rob. For having me. Yeah, thanks, it's been, Rob. It's been, a, been a pleasure. Okay, right. Thanks, everyone. Thank you very much. Bye. 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 Thank you. Bye. Thank you. Bye. Do you realize how incredible this is? It's tradition. You ever noticed that bum? What? That bum. Oh, no. I will say. I will say. Fewer things. Fewer things. Okay. Enough of this self-indulgence. Thank you so much for listening to our podcast. If you want to get in touch with us, our website is www.loweredexradio.co.uk. You can reach us on the Twitters at at 10 backward, 10 being the number and backward being the word backward. We're also on Facebook at www.facebook.com forward slash 10 backward podcast. You can also email us at crew at loweredexradio.co.uk. On a personal, individual level, my Twitter is at Will Turland. Rick Everson's Twitter is at TrekFanRick. And Rick Palmer's Twitter is at Mr. Imhotep. Hi, thank you again for listening to the podcast. I hope you enjoyed it. If you did, you might consider supporting us. We have now have a Patreon uh, where people can uh, pledge small amounts to fund our ongoing projects like uh, keeping our website up to date, uh, um, new audio equipment as we're going along and potentially uh, opportunities to expand our content uh, you can go look at this at patreon.com forward slash radio uh, if you don't feel you can donate but would still like to support us we would love it if you could subscribe to us however get your podcast through iTunes, Stitcher Google Play or we're on various third party apps and if you could leave us a review on any of those that would be fantastic and would be very appreciative Thanks again for listening, and please tune in for more podcasts from the 10 Backward Crew. Let's make sure that history never forgets the name. 10 Backward? Laddie, don't you think you should rephrase that? 10 Backward. 10 Backward. Remove yourself from the bridge. You've just killed us all. <laughs>